Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome uh, my uh, sign brother. He's my my Torian brother from another mother. He's got a book out that is making all of the making people making their asses itch for some reason. I don't know what it is about him, but they are just woo going viral. Can't believe he said all of these things. I mean, it's just uh, I don't I don't understand it. The view he's going everywhere, and now he's here. Uh, I call him Ellie Ellie Mastal, author of Allow Me to Retort. Welcome back, sir, to the show. Hi. Hi, Karen. Long time to see. I know. You, you, I, I was looking at you on all these things. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let me find out. Don't come on this show. See what happens. Don't come on this show. See what happens. <laughs> I just, for the record, right, we scheduled this a month ago. So we That's scheduled right. this before <laughs> any, of the, any of the craziness happened in this, uh, in this world. Yeah, it's true. It's all true. It's all true, y'all, because, you know, Ellie and I have a uh, history uh, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not going to ask you about the slap period. So we're going to move I, forward. What? It's it's okay. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about the slap or Bruno, both of them. It's two things we ain't talking about. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but I do want to bring in, um, Shachin, uh, little feather, because I feel like we're in a time that was 1973 where we were going back. We're going back in time. And you talked about, um, you tweeted something about the First Amendment and you did relate it to the slap. And it was really interesting. Because, uh, no, no, actually, Smith, do you have the clip? Because um, was it a clip where you talked? No, no, no. Play, um, I'm sorry, Ellie. Ron Perlman. Play Ron Perlman. Play Ron Perlman. Listen to this, Ellie. Good morning, Listen. Governor DeSantis. Ron here. Um, don't say gay. Don't say as the first two words in a sentence spoken by a political leader of a state in the United States of America, don't say, don't fucking say, you fucking Nazi pig. (laughs) Say, First Amendment, read about it, then run for office, you piece of shit. Love him. That's my spirit animal. Right there. Read about you, it. Huh? Yo, read about just, it. Educate yeah. yourself. <laughs> All right. So he brings up a good point. We are seeing the dismantling of rights from voting rights to reproductive rights to now, as he pointed out in Florida, you can't say, you know, that's not exactly the law. The law is about third graders and below learning about, you know, sexual orientation and all that, which I actually agree with, which is why that law is very tricky. But we are in a slippery slope of a dismantling of this democracy. And your book, Allow Me to Retort, basically breaks down why the Constitution is trash, which you've said everywhere. Where are we right now? And is it salvageable, Ellie Mastal? Is it salvageable? I mean, sure, it's salvageable. All you got to do is give me five Supreme Court justices who agree with me. And I'll salvage the whole goddamn thing. It's not that hard, right? That's that, that's the, the problem, Karen. Like, 
all these laws that are coming out and the, these censorship laws is what they are, right? They, they, uh, they want to use, I think the word now is cancel culture. They want to use, it's not about that. It's about censorship. It's a, it's a song as old as time. The Nazis used to do it. The Catholic church used to do it. The Romans used to do it. Augustus Caesar was all about the censorship. This is a very old political strategy, right? Now, the only reason why this censorship is being allowed to happen in our country is because they have six Supreme Court justices who don't care, right? They've got six conservative justices who think that it's totally okay to censor Black lives, to censor real history, to censor uh, 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 the LGBTQ community, but don't think it's okay for you to boo a conservative politician. That's where the conservative Supreme Court is right now. And that's why we're in this moment. So that when we're talking, we're talking about free speech, I've got, you know, in response to my book, Clarence Thomas, before he went into the hospital, um, before this latest revelation about his wife's corruption came out, he said in Utah, some, some geniuses think the Constitution is trash. Well, I think that's wrong. That's what he says about my book in, in, in Utah, right? So we've got sitting Supreme Court justice wants to pick a fight with me over a book, but won't go pick a fight with Ron DeSantis over his don't say gay bill, won't go pick a fight with Missouri over their Fugitive Uterus Act, won't go pick a fight with all of these state governors who are doing, who are doing the actual censorship and the actual un-American activities. Or his own wife, who funded uh, a busload of people to overthrow the government, and is still on the it was stolen train. So what do we do? What do we do with this? What do we do? Well, you know, I've said it before. We've got to expand the Supreme Court. I mean, think about let, let's let's stay with Thomas for a second, right? His wife is implicated in the insurrection against the country. So when the judge yesterday uh, uh, says that the Trump lawyer has to reveal his um, allegedly privileged information, saying that there is a, no privilege when you're contemplating a crime, it's called the crime fraud, uh, fraud exception to the privilege logs uh, for those playing along at home. So when the judge says that, that's going to get appealed eventually to the Supreme Court, where Clarence Thomas, whose wife's text messages are also implicated in all of this, is going to be allowed to, to be one of the nine votes to rule on whether or not people's messages uh, about the insurrection can be made public. What do you think he's going to say? I'll tell you what he's going to say, because the last time he had a chance to rule on it, he was the only justice to dissent from the ruling. Why is he being allowed to sit on that case anyway? Because he has a job why, for life and you can't remove him. You can't do anything about it except to impeach him. And that has never, there've been, I think, one or two impeachments and no convictions of Supreme Court justices. Right? Correct? Right. Okay, right. so but, so packing the court, 866-801-8255. Ellie Mastal is here. Sina Gaznavi, who's also got a law degree, he's here. Uh, of course, Ellie's got a book called Allow Me to Retort, which is amazing. What would that require to pack the courts with more justices? It's what one of the things about court expansion is that it's the constitutionally preferred um, solution, right? Constitution says that judges can't be removed while in while in office. They have to be there for good behavior. That means life. Constitution says that Congress gets to make up everything else about the Supreme Court, including how many people are on the Supreme Court. We started with six people. We went to seven, then eight, then nine, then ten, then back down to seven, then to nine. 
right? So the, the number of justices on the court has changed quite a bit over the course of American history. What would it take? It's a simple bill in Congress, simple bill in the Senate and passed by the president. It doesn't take anything special, doesn't take a supermajority, just have to just have to pass a bill. Now, granted, in the current uh, version of the Senate, they think that passing any bill means that you need 60 votes to break a filibuster instead of 51 votes because the Senate isn't about majority rule. Again, that's not in the Constitution either. That's just some crap the Senate made up for itself. So I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, especially when you got, and I'm not even going into the brain cases of mansion and cinema on this issue. So I'm not saying it's easy, but it is constitutionally speaking, the easiest way to fix the Supreme Court. Easier than impeachment, which requires a supermajority. Easier than term limits, which requires uh, uh, an, um, an amendment to the Constitution, most likely. This is just a bill. Ellie, good to see you again. Last time I saw you, we were doing Fake the Nation together on the yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, How you doing? Fantastic. So I got a couple questions for you. One, whatever happened, you know, when I was in law school, we learned that the Supreme Court was the court of last resort. And it seems like that's not the case anymore. Whenever there's like a constitutional issue that comes up, even in the news or even at the local level, immediately the talking points go to right to the Supreme Court. How did that how did that happen and how do we kind of change that? Well, they put an alleged attempted rapist on the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh, and that gave them a crucial fourth vote. So people need to understand that the Supreme Court to actually hear 7000 cases get appealed to the Supreme Court every year. They're only gonna sit here like 100, 150 maybe, right? Uh, in a good year, right? So how do you get to be one of the 100 cases that they actually hear? Well, it's a, you have to file a petition for certiorari, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, and that is voted on by all the justices, but it only takes four. It only takes four justices to hear your appeal. Well, once they got Kavanaugh, mm. they got their fourth because Kavanaugh replacing Kennedy meant that now Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh is the fourth to hear all kinds of crazy lawsuits, right? Like people don't even understand Brett Kavanaugh's full impact on the Supreme Court because they're only looking at what happens at the end, the actual end state decisions. But the fact that some of these cases are even heard or even available, and thus some of the arguments that are being made to make these cases into Supreme Court issues. Um, a lot of that happens because they have a consistent fourth vote, Kavanaugh, to hear craziness and foolishness. So that's why it's the court of first resort for Republicans. Yeah, they can do all these test cases and just they know they have a fast track to the court. My other question is about Justice Thomas. You know, normally uh, a justice would recuse themselves. I don't think that's probably going to be what he does here because he's a, he's a monster. But what what would have to happen? Would would um, Justice Roberts like sit him down and like talk to like, how does that even work? First of all, normally for who? Thomas <laughs> ain't never recused himself. He's been right, on the right. court for 30 years and his wife has been out there trifling. For 30 years too this is this current issue with jenny thomas that ain't new like yeah. the, jenny thomas has been a problem for thomas's entire career and thomas ain't never recused himself so i don't think he's about to start now how would it happen no john the the supreme court currently operates and i people are always surprised when i say this the supreme court is the only court in america that operates without ethical guidelines Mm. Every other court in America wow. has an ethical pass by Congress or their state legislature 
list of ethical requirements that the judges have to follow. The Supreme Court makes it up as they go along. So when Karen was saying the only thing that we, one of the things we can do is court packing, she's absolutely right. That's the easiest fix. But another fix would be for Congress just to pass some ethics rules Mm. and apply them to the Supreme Court, which they also could do. Ethically, you must recuse yourself when, I don't know, your wife's involved. (laughs) <laughs> or your kids are involved. Like, right. Simple right. ethics yeah. rules. Right, because Congress we can't. Can pass we can that. No, the Senate... no I was just gonna say we can no longer rely on people uh, having integrity. Right. When did no, that yeah. happen? When did Again, that happen? Thomas has been on the court since 1991. It's happened since he's been on the court. Is when you, you stop. You needed to stop relying on people's good uh, sense of propriety um, to protect democratic institutions. Ellie Mastal is here. You can follow him at Ellie E L I E. NYC, because I think that's where he's, he resides, NYC. Used to, no. until I had, see, when I made the Twitter handle, I didn't have kids, and I thought I'd be in NYC forever, and then I had kids, and then, All right, so now, now it's you're a vestigial bucolic, You're in a, in a bucolic setting with a white picket fence with, uh, with goats <laughs> and trees and things. Uh, we're here. Cena's here as well. We're talking about his new book. Well, not really. We're talking, his book covers all of this, Allow Me to Retort. Uh, in this book, and before I get into destroying or ripping up the constitution why do we assume because you know we have these co-equal branches of government the legislative the executive and the judicial they're supposed to be independent they're supposed to operate to check and balance one another yet i think since maybe 91 maybe before then i think reagan justices were appointed to the courts who followed political um political edicts right so we expect amy coney barrett to do a certain thing. We expect Brett Kavanaugh, who's sleep, two unqualified people, by the way, to, to do the bidding of the Republican Party. We expect that of Gorsuch as well, right? We expect Sotomayor to be very Obama-like. And I think people are like Katanji Brown, Jack. And it's like, it's weird to me. Like, Trump didn't give a damn. He's going to appoint people, unqualified, person never held, mm-hmm. heard a case before. You're going to do what I tell you to do? Okay, we're going to nominate you as a woman. All right, Handmaid's Tale, let's go. Whereas Katanji Brown Jackson might be, you know, centrist at best. She is not a liberal, rah-rah, you know, dot in the wool type of. And and it's like Democrats are always capitulating, moving to the center, which is how we got Clinton and Obama. And instead of doubling down on working class black folk that will vote for you, making sure that everybody black gets their rights and things. And let's talk about reparations. That's the only way you're going to win. But yet they keep trying to go after the the Tim Payne Tim Kane vote, you know the 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 white man that is, is disgruntled. He we can get him back. And even with the court selection, it's the same. What do you think about that, fellas? I agree with that generally. I think uh, Jackson is a better pick than your than than you suspect um, on this particular level. Um, Jackson reminds me very much of Sotomayor in the sense of like she wants to be on the court and her decisions coming up through have shown the decisions of a person who wants to be on the Supreme Court someday. But you gotta remember when, when, when Sotomayor was actually confirmed, right? It's like the red nail polish came out, right? She, if you, I mean, obviously if you back, go back and look at the confirmation hearings, during the hearings, very muted, 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 she got on, bam, firehouse red, all right? And Sotomayor was, I think, more liberal than I think even Obama expected her to be. But if you read the decisions, you kind of saw the streak kind of waiting to come out. I feel that a little bit with uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, where like she has been center mass absolutely throughout her career because she wants to be on the court. 
But when you when she has an opportunity to go a little bit left, she's got some she's got some flex in her, and I think you see that especially when it comes to um, criminal justice reform. Um, a lot of her criminal justice issues, I think she's been great on. Um, she has cases where she upheld a cop's qualified immunity. Um, I think qualified immunity is one of the worst things the courts have done, and she upheld qualified immunity almost all the time. But there were a couple of times when she took it straight away from a cop, including one from Occupy Wall Street, where a cop arrested a person who just cussed him out. Uh, you know, the cop was, was around Occupy Wall Street, and one of the occupiers cussed him out. Cop arrested him, and Ketanji was like, you don't get qualified immunity for your kidnapping just because you got cussed out. And I was like, oh, hello, girl. So, like, I, I think she, I'm, gonna, I'm very excited about this particular pick. In general... The reason why the Federal Society was invented was because Republicans kept getting punked by their own justices, right? It's a Republican justice that actually writes Roe v. Wade. It's a Republican justices like Souter and Kennedy and Sandra Day O'Connor who save Roe v. Wade in Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 1992. Republicans kept getting punked and they designed the Federal Society to create justices that would always do their bidding, right? That would be like Neil Gorsuch and, uh, and, and Boof and Amy Coney Barrett. So like that's, that's why that organization was, was created. And we're about to reap the whirlwind as Kavanaugh warned us, right? We're about to, to live in their world for a little bit because it's about to get real bad. They're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. They're not going to say they overturned Roe v. Wade because people, dumb people in the media will be like, well, they said it was protected. So no, they're going to take away the very legal principle of Roe v. Wade, which is that abortions before fetal viability are unconstitutional. They're going to take that away, but then say, but Roe v. Wade is good law because it'll confuse people, right? So that's coming. Unlimited gun access is coming. We're going back to Bernard Getz days in New York City. Like, so there's a lot of badness coming and, that, and that's because the Federal Society has been designed to do that badness. And I think the Federal Society as well, has they've picked, they've handpicked all of the recent justice. Mm -hmm. There's, they're yes. the ones, and they are, by the way, organized. They are efficient. We can't, Democrats just aren't very good at organizing and, and, and executing on a unified vision or plan. I think the other thing about justice is, and to Ellie's point, I've always found that like justices will sometimes surprise you with the decisions they'll make. And you'll be like, well, what? I thought you were going to be this way this entire. But human beings are messy. The human condition is a messy thing. Look, no one thought Justice Roberts was going to rule on healthcare the way he did, but he did. And then you found out that he was more of like an institutionalist. But then he's like future opinions are like, ah, is he though? And so there's all these different things that kind of get messy. And I, I don't know. Ellie's read, uh, read far more opinions than I have. And so I think that's really what you have to end up doing. You have to basically mine the data of their opinions to actually get a sense of what they'll do. Can I just add one more thing? This is why I'm so in favor of court expansion, right? Because when, because the, the judges are messy, people are messy, the law is messy. Yeah. And trying to get a large majority to do a crazy thing is just harder the more people you have in the pot. The analogy that I've been making is that with a nine-person court, you just have to convince five people that you're right, right? Now you've tried this, right? If you want to figure out where you're going to go to dinner with five people, man, you might end up in some places, right? You might end up under down under. You might end up, you might end up skipping dinner all together and just going to the club. Out, like you out back. Right. Oh, but right. But if you have to get, so I'm saying we should have 29 people on the Supreme court. Cause if you get 15 people together, 
You're going to Applebee's. <laughs> You're going to the Olive Garden. You're going to this center mass, boring, neutral place, right? If you have 15 people to, to herd together, the decisions are going to get way more mainstream and way more narrow because it's just harder to get 15 people to agree on anything. And that's when you could get back to the court being the court of last resort. You could actually get back to it where the legislative branch leads. And when there's a dispute on the fringes, then it gets to be decided by the Supreme Court. Exactly. Uh, When we come back, Ellie Mastal is sticking around. He's going to tell us why we should rip up the Constitution. Cena Gasnaby is here. Ellie Mastal, he's got a book. It's a good book. It's an amazing book. Allow Me to Retort is the book. He's got his pick in his hair. He's ready. He's ready for battle. Before we went to uh, break, uh, you're calling for the Constitution to be rewritten. And I'm here for it. I think you're absolutely correct. Getting a lot of backlash, though. Yeah, well, okay. First of all, I don't know that I'm calling for it to be rewritten. I'm calling for it to be... Okay, I am. I'm calling for it to be rewritten. That's one of many options. It could be rewritten. It could be reinterpreted. It could be redone. All it has to do is to stop hewing back towards the original interpretation of the slavers and colonists who wrote it, okay? that That's my main focus, right? The, the Constitution, as written, was objectively trash. And that's not, I mean, people think, oh, that's hyperbole. Look, if you go to your, you know, uh, model UN convention, all right? You go to your, your little government camp, all right? And you write a founding document for a country. And less than 100 years later, that country breaks out into a hot civil war because y'all didn't solve some of the key issues in your little summer camp document. That's a demerit, folks. That that means that you didn't do a great job at camp. All right. So just from a from a structural point of view, right, there are things in the Constitution that are designed to uphold slavery that have not been excised from the Constitution. Things like the lack of a direct election for the United States president. Things like the uh, the representation of land and not people in the United States Senate. Uh, Senate. Things like federalism, which allows for us to have 50 different state elections as opposed to one federal election for all the marbles, right? Uh, that allows the police power to be dealt to be doled out via states' rights as opposed to federal standards. So all these structural issues are there so that the former Confederacy now, the current Confederacy then, um, could uphold the institutions of slavery and white supremacy. Nobody who looked like me got to, nobody who looked like anybody on this panel got (laughs) to have a say in how the Constitution was written. And not just that, or amended because people always like to say, well, you know, the constitution can be amended and that. Let me tell you something about your amendment process. All right. First of all, all the amendments have been written by white males, right? They didn't, women and minorities have not had a significant role in writing and shaping the constitutional, the 27 constitutional amendments that we have. And then remember all those amendments have to be ratified by the states, by the state legislatures. Do you know how many state legislatures have been majority minority in American history? Zero. Do you know how many state legislatures have been majority women in American history? One, Nevada in 2018. All right. So we're still fundamentally, even with the amendment process, talking about a white male dominated society and system of rules and responsibilities 
I think we can do better. That's the point of my book. We can do better than that. Ellie, I've always wanted a, a rewrite of the Constitution, not just for the reasons you mentioned, but also technology. We live in a completely digital age and there's no literacy that we have. There's no way the, the founders knew about how to handle anything like that. But the mechanism in which that would happen is a constitutional convention. And last time I was ranting about this, I remember reading that the Koch brothers, at least it's Koch brother now, but the Koch brothers were, were rallying and raising money to try to spark a constitutional convention. Isn't a constitutional convention just giving the people, the wealthy oligarchs in the country, the ability to shape what they want to see a new constitution to be like? 100%. That's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm not high on the let's completely throw the whole thing out and start over. Because if we in our, in our current politics, if we started over, we would start over baking in the same kinds of white supremacy we already have in our system. Who would get to choose the delegates? Would we choose the delegates by state? Again, that's stupid. <laughs> if Wyoming gets one delegate to the new constitutional convention, how many delegates by population do we think California could get? Yeah. If, you, if your answer is under 60, then you're just wrong. If Wyoming gets one delegate, California should have 63 delegates. Do you think we're going to have a constitutional convention like that? Because if we did, I'd be interested in it. But we're not going to have it like that. We'd bake in the same fundamentally apartheid rule. And I use that word, and that's another word that pisses the whites off that I use But the, the when I use it. But the Constitution as constructed is an apartheid document. It is designed to let one race rule over all the other races on purpose. Even now, what we have is a situation that locks in white minority rule through the unequal, through the, 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 the universal state suffrage, um, equal state suffrage in the Senate. These, these are not good, good, good ideas. And we know they're not good ideas. I mean, I always, I, in the, in the, in the part, part of promoting this book, I've always brought up the, the analogy of South Africa, right? South Africa. All right. So, you know, South Africa got the apartheid system. Nelson Mandela gets out of jail. Matt Damon wins a rug rugby match. And now <laughs> South Africa is free. <laughs> Wonderful, right? <laughs> what do they do? Do they just like tack some amendments onto their Afrikaans constitution? No, they, they start over. They rewrite the whole thing with equal representation of everybody. And that's why on the global stage, South, sorry, this is where my map is in my house. <laughs> on the global stage, South Africa's constitution is one of the best, one of the best defenders of human rights, one of the best defenders of equal rights, much better than ours on those um, respects. So there are many different ways of doing it. You're what would Thomas Jefferson do, that rapist? That's not a good one. Right. Well, you're acting as if the majority of people in this country want to see equality, want to see fairness want to see justice we are we're seeing convoys uh it is you know we, we saw them storm the capitol that wasn't about trump as much as it was about pres preserving their rights their rights not our rights and they'll tell you go back to your country ellie they'll tell you cena mm -hmm. go back to where you came from you're not really an american they don't see us as really americans so i don't want to go back to pittsburgh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, so how you know what you're talking about? It makes sense. It should happen. I don't think it'll ever happen. 
as long as this country is run by the people that it's run by. And that, that includes even the folks that have D's next to their name. There's a story with the uh, AOC saying that the Democrats, uh, you know, are horrible and they're going to, you know, they're, they're, they're on the, they don't know how to win basically. Um, and she's right. She's right. Yep. But I don't think this is about D's and R's Democrats and Republicans. This is about something I think that is fundamentally wrong with the fabric of this country, the core of this country that we're not willing to deal with state by state. They're eliminating history. So we're not even learn the next generation not even gonna learn about these things in school. Look, I don't, you know, I don't think major- this is fixable. The majority of white Americans have voted for the Republican candidate for president in every presidential election since the passage of the Civil Rights Act. That's not a phase. It's not an accident. White people are have chosen what they want and they want continued white supremacy. A majority of them want continued white supremacy. Those are just the numbers. Those are just the facts, right? How do we overcome that? Well, the white people who want continued white supremacy are in a minority in the country overall. The emerging majority of non-white people and white people of conscience is bigger than the rump white supremacist part of this country we just have to get as activated and as mobilized um, and, and elect leaders who are willing to go fight in the trenches for us like the Republicans do. So that's that's how I kind of get to like, is it salvageable or not? It's not salvageable if Democrats keep keep playing this game as an invertebrate, right? Like it's not salvageable if their side is made of two by fours and our side is made of Swedish fish, like it's gonna, it's gonna, we're gonna get squished if that's how it is. But if Democrats are willing to go fight, it can be salvageable. We have Ellie Mastal in the building. Allow me to retort. I think you should get it as an audio book because he is actually talking to you. He is talking to you from the moment. Uh, oh, there's a joke on there. Seen this here as well, where you talk about amosexuals. Ellie is sticking around. Amosexuals. Tell us about amosexuals on your book. It's uh, sexuals is the, I believe, scientific term uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine to describe a person who fetishizes the gun and doesn't care at all about dead children. That's that. That's basically where we are with that. Yeah, now, it's part of my kind of explanation in the book about the Second Amendment. Now, you you had a joke about them that they uh, they're really bad at Scrabble or they can't win at Scrabble. Yes, they, I see. I don't see why you want me to say that out loud. I'm trying not to get. I'm trying to get off your show without getting shot. Like that's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. All it's right. a safe I, space, Ellie. Yeah. It's a safe space. Uh, safe space. No, he's, he might be right. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep him. I'm gonna keep him in a bubble. All right. Will you take a couple calls? I know you have to run. But people Absolutely. want to talk to you. All right, let's go to William in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. Hi. Thank you very much for especially giving a shout out to San Antonio because we're getting ready to catch the Lakers in that play-in tournament with the Spurs. All right, knock it off. Anyway, knock it off. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> but, but anyway, hey, the, the conversation today is really excellent. Great work. And I'm so excited to hear what you guys are talking about, you know, I've always thought about, you know, what if we rework the constitution, but I never really thought about what uh, Ellie just said about, you know, the same people, the same hands will kind of be in on baking the cake as were before. And we might end up in a worse situation. So it really would take, you know, a lot of effort uh, from people, especially people of color, making sure that they got in on whatever effort it was to try to, you know, fix the problem that we're in. But I do have a question. What do you think about, you know, 
you know, as far as the laws and everything, making everything, uh, you know, maybe centralized federally as as opposed to all of the different types of state laws and stuff. Because it seems like a lot of the problems that we run into in this country really are on the state level um, as opposed to the federal level. Or am I, am I just thinking about that wrong? And I'll take your answer on the other side. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the question. And you can tell that caller was from Texas because um, Texas definitely has some particular some particular problems, right? So there are two things. One, understand what's happening in the in the reddest states, right? A lot of the stuff that's happening in a Texas and a Florida and a Georgia. Remember, these are the states with some of the highest population of non-white people um, by percentage of population, right? If, 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 if uh, the, 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 most, the blackest states are the states where our people were formerly enslaved, right? The, uh, the, the, the reddest states also have some of the highest populations of Latino voters. What we see at these in the states that are truly diverse is actually kind of frightening to me. We see white people sticking together um, like nobody's business, as if they have to, um, to, to stop the flood, right? So while um, in a state like New York, where, you know, doesn't actually have a, you know, a lot, it doesn't have the minority representation of a state like Florida or a state like Texas, but the white people are much more diverse. They're much more split up, right? Whereas in Georgia, white people like hang together. I bring all that up to say, this is why I have more trust in federal law than state law overall because basically at a national level even though white people even once they're even when we're a majority minority nation at a national level white people do not stick together they can be broken off and they, 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 you can separate them you have white people who believe in x things you have white people who believe in y things you can split them up into groups and remember you only need 40, 41, 42% of white people on your side. You actually don't need a majority of white people if you have if you have a, a large enough kind of pool that you're drawing from, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way against um, federalism. Uh, that's what you call the, the states' rights arguments. And then the last thing I'll say is just remember, like I said, states' rights were always the argument of the slaver. It's, mm. it's Madison's argument. It's John C. Calhoun's argument. John C. is the C. Calhoun is the South Carolina senator who came up with the theory of Southern secession. It's it's Mitch McConnell's argument. It's the same argument throughout history. And I've been saying because I live in Jersey, I'm good with it, but I live in a great state. Uh, Thank you for that breakdown, Ellie. And thank you for that perfect call, San Antonio, Texas. Veranda in Alabama. You're on. Ellie Mastal is here. Allow him to retort. Okay, what are we listening to? Well, we're waiting. Are you eating? What, are you what eating? Going? Are you eating? What is, what is that noise? Are you drinking? Oh, it's in the car. She's in the car. Okay. Okay. What's you hear us in the car? Oh, okay. That? What do you think, think is happening? Oh, she's parking. Did okay. you you got to park? Right. You got to pay for know. parking. All right. All right. <laughs> Ellie's got to go. We don't have time for this. All right. Oh, well, Veranda, you had your chance. He's got to go. Uh, I yep. I I appreciate I've always appreciated you have one of the, one of the best minds of this generation. I enjoy talking with you. I enjoy how you see things. I enjoy the work that you put in. I enjoy the scholarship. I'm enjoying the hell out of allow me to retort audio version, audio book version, 
Put that sucker in your earbuds. Go for a run. Let this man entertain you as he's also giving you knowledge. You are brilliant, sir, and congratulations on your bestseller, New York Times bestseller. You better do that. Ellie Mastyle, allow me to retort. Thank you for being here today. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.